Hey, it's so good to be with you guys tonight. I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad that I'm here to be able to share in this moment. When I was a kid, our family used to do a family reunion at a, an old church camp in western Oklahoma. And for some reason, we always did it right in the middle of summer when it was scorching hot. And the main gathering place in this church camp was the dining hall, which was a long, shotgun-style building. And this building had no air conditioning, so it was just stifling hot inside this building. But that was the main place to go. That was the only place big enough to hold all of us. So like I said, it didn't have air conditioning, but it did have, on one end of the building, two big fans that we call swamp coolers. The problem, though, on this particular year was that those swamp coolers were broke. And so every time we gathered in there, everybody's just sweating up a storm. Well, on Sunday morning, that's where we were going to have worship. Nobody was really looking forward to that. And so two of my cousins, Joe and Mark, decided that they were going to be the heroes of the family. And they were going to get up early on Sunday morning. And they were going to go fix those swamp coolers before worship service started. So they got up early and they went over there and they got to work on those things, thinking that they could figure it out. A lot of us, we really didn't have confidence in them that much. And if you knew Joe and Mark, you wouldn't either. But anyways, they gave it a great effort. Well, it was almost time for worship service to start, so everybody was gathered in the dining hall. The swamp coolers were not working. It was hot. Everybody's already sweating through their nice clothes. Well, believe it or not, Joe and Mark got the swamp coolers working. And they were so proud of themselves that before they turned them on, they made a big pronouncement. Hey, everybody, we fixed the swamp coolers. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, Joe and Mark, you're so awesome. Well, what Joe and Mark didn't know is that inside those fans were two nests. And whenever they turned those fans on, about 50 yellow jackets came swarming out into the dining hall, and they were mad. And I mean, everybody just gets up and they are moving. Even the old people are moving around like world-class athletes, and they are getting out of there. It was pure pandemonium. Well, needless to say, we had worship that day outside, but Joe and Mark's dad was so mad at them that during worship, while we were worshiping, he gave them a fly swatter and a rolled up newspaper and made them stay in the dining hall and kill all of those yellow jackets. Now, that story would have turned out a lot differently if Joe and Mark would have done a more thorough investigation of the swamp coolers. And in this world, there's a lot of people whose lives would turn out very differently and for the better if they would do a more thorough investigation of Jesus to find out that the Jesus story is good news. We know that the Jesus story is good news because we know that the Jesus story is a story of love, of grace, of mercy, of joy, of peace, of hope, and of a meaningful future. And one of the places in Scripture that reminds us of that is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1-7. through 7. I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul says here. He says, as for you, now I want you to listen, because the Apostle Paul is talking to you. He's talking to you. He's talking to you. He's talking to you. He's talking to you. And he's talking to you. And what he has to say is that as for you, 
You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Now, wait a minute. Do you really understand what Paul is saying here? Paul is saying that our trespasses and sins, trespasses are willful violations against God's commandments. Sins are offenses against God in thought, word, and deed. And Paul here says that our trespasses and our sins lead to death. That in trespasses and sins, what we're really doing is we're rejecting the Jesus path so that we can chart our own course and follow our own path. And Paul here is saying that our path that we make up for ourselves leads to a dead end and it will not get us where we want to go. And for Paul, that's not just rhetoric. That is verifiable truth. Just ask my friend Eric. Eric is a member of the congregation for whom I'm privileged to preach. And Eric actually grew up in our congregation. And whenever he was a teenager, Eric decided that the party path looked a lot more exciting to him than the Jesus path. And so Eric decided that he would trade his identity in Christ for the identity of being the guy who would do anything and try anything. But before too long, Eric was addicted to drugs, and not just drugs, but hardcore drugs like crystal meth. It wasn't too long before Eric went from being a user to being a dealer. And so he spent several years in prison. Eric knows exactly what Paul is saying when Paul says, You were dead in your transgressions and sins. Now I have a feeling that many of you know what that's like also. Because even though you're young, you live long enough to know that whenever you follow your own way, you feel dead, empty inside. But that's not where the passage ends. It continues and says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the great, or uh, excuse me, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Now wait a minute. Do you really understand what Paul is saying here? Paul is saying that even though our trespasses and sins has left us dead, that even though in those trespasses and in those sins we were willfully rejecting God, that we were telling God, we know better than you, so we'll just be all right without you. We'll just do our own thing. That even though that's how we were living, God still loves us. Sometimes that is hard to fathom. Because sometimes what we do is we compare God's love to our love. And we sit there and we think, well, man, if somebody treated me like that, I don't know if I could really love them. See, this is why the gospel is good news. 
is because our standard of love is not the standard of love that God has. God's standard of love is much higher than ours. God's standard for love is so high that he can even love us, love you, even when you're dead in your trespasses and sins. Because God is a compassionate God. God is a merciful God. God is a gracious God. And there is nothing that can stop Him from loving you. Amen. Now that's not just rhetoric for Paul. That's verifiable truth. Again, just ask my friend Eric. When Eric got out of prison, he made two important decisions. He said, man... If this is the way I've been living, and this is where this gets me, i got to do something different. So he said, you know what, when I get out of here, I'm going to truly submit my life to Jesus Christ. And then I'm going to make the church of Jesus Christ my family. And he did. And his family, his church family, we welcomed him back with open arms. Now when Eric came back to us, he did not have a high school diploma because he had dropped out of high school. He didn't have hardly any teeth because meth rotted out his teeth. He didn't have really any discernible skills, and so he didn't have any prospects for a job, and he really didn't have much of a future. But the Church of Jesus Christ, as Paul reminds us in Ephesians, is meant to be a group of people, and by the way, we are the church, we are meant to show the world what the love of Jesus Christ looks like. And so that's what this church family did for Eric. And so there were some members who decided they were going to help Eric. And so they began to tutor him and help him get his GED. And he did. And then there was a group of members who they helped him get into a vocational technical school where he could learn how to be an auto mechanic because he liked cars. And then our own elders personally gave money to have him do several dental procedures and get a new set of teeth. And you should have seen how that just changed his confidence in himself. And then there's a group of people in our church who have surrounded Eric and have acted as his sponsors. And they've helped him to be clean and sober for over a year. And just last month, when we had our Senior Sunday, where we celebrate our graduating high school and college graduates, Eric was one of them that we celebrated because he graduated from that Votep school, and now he has a job as an auto mechanic, and he's got a future. Glory. You see, the people like Eric, quite honestly, the people like me, maybe even to some of you, those of us who know what it is like to be lost, the two most beautiful pastoral words in Scripture are, but God. Amen, amen. Because we were lost. We were dead. And we would still be there. But God is rich in mercy. Well, let's put all of this together. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Now hang on just a second. 
Here in just a minute, I want to point to you. When I point to you, I want you to shout out the words, but God. Think you can do that? All right, so here we go. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That is good news. That's hope right there. Now, I really can't see you, but I'm going to ask you this anyway. How many of you have are just now starting to learn how to drive or just recently got your driver's license? All right. Okay. Several of you. All right. Well, I'm from a small town in Oklahoma. In fact, where I'm from is not really a town. The closest town was six miles away. So I'm from a rural part of Oklahoma, and so I learned how to drive on the back roads of Oklahoma. And some of you know what that's like. Whenever you're driving on the back roads, particularly in rural Oklahoma, there's a little bit of a problem, and it can be tricky because there's not really any road signs. And even if there are road signs, nobody calls the road by that name. Instead, they call them nicknames, like Doghouse Road. All right? And so sometimes when you're driving along the back roads, it's really easy to get lost. Because things kind of look the same, and the scenery looks the same, and there's no markings on the roads. And so, man, if you take the wrong path, you are gone. You are lost. You have no clue where you are. So, what those of us who learn how to drive on the back roads, what we learn how to do is we learn how to look for landmarks. And so the landmarks keep us from getting lost. So, for example, when I was learning how to drive, or actually when I had already had my license, I wanted to go into town one day, so I asked my parents, I said, hey, I want to go into town, but I want to take Doghouse Road into town. Now, how do I know that I'm on Doghouse Road? So my parents said this. They said, all right, you know where the old basketball gym is, right? Yeah. Okay, so the road that runs in front of that old basketball gym, that turns into Doghouse Road. Now, after you go a little ways, you're going to come across Old Man Wheeler's place, and you're going to see the sign that says, you know, Wheeler Farms. And so that's how you'll know you're on Doghouse Road. Now, a little bit after Old Man Wheeler's place, there's going to be a big curve to the right. And so you just keep following that curve around. Then, a little bit after that curve, you're going to see a barn on the right-hand side of the road, and that barn has a big smiley face painted on it. And then you go about a mile from there, and you're going to come into town. So that's how I learned how to get to town on Doghouse Road, was to look for these landmarks. Now, I'm the kind of driver that needs constant reassurance that I'm going on the right path. I don't like being lost. And i got to tell you, I've been lost a lot of times when driving. I'm old enough to have been driving without the phone, without the app, with actual paper maps and everything. And so I've been lost a lot. And I don't like being lost. 
And we know what it's like to be physically lost. We know when we're physically lost that we have gotten off the path we're supposed to be on. Or we're in a place that we know we're not supposed to be. And this doesn't feel right. We're lost. And so it was easy for me to get lost. And so I would be driving into town and I would think, okay now, is this really the right way to go into town? I mean, is this really getting me onto Doghouse Road? And I would be questioning myself, but I would see the old Jill. Okay, I know I'm on the right path. But then doubt will start creeping in again, and I think, okay, now, this is what they told me, right? But then I would see old man Wheeler's place. Okay, I'm on the right path. I know where I'm going, right? Well, wait a second. Was that right? Was it old man Wheeler's place, or was it old man... Uh, but... I would see the big curve to the right, and I'd start going around it. Okay, okay, I'm in the right spot. I know where I'm going. Now, wait, it was the big curve to the right, not the left, correct? But then I would see the barn with the smiley face on it. And then I'd be going along, and, you know, you think a mile, you know, it, it feels a lot longer than it sounds. And so I'd be driving along, and I'd be going, okay, now, surely I've been driving for more than a mile, but I haven't seen the but. I would then see the town. And so that's how I would know. I was on the right path. I had gone the right way. I had stayed exactly where I was supposed to stay because I saw all of these landmarks along the way. Did you know that Jesus Christ has put landmarks in our lives so that we know that we're on the right path? Fruits of the Spirit, those are landmarks. Growing in love for our neighbor, a landmark. Obey his word, his truth. It's a landmark. There's a lot of things that Jesus has put along the path to reassure us that we're on the right path. But here's the thing we need to know. As great as mercy and grace is, you don't really understand how great it is until you understand what it's like to be lost and that loss is a real thing. Amen. Amen. That's why Paul is honest with us. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He says you're dead in your trespasses and sins. Trespasses and sins are not okay. They're not just something that you can brush aside. They're not just something that you can excuse. Well, everybody else is doing. Trespasses and sins lead to death. It gets you lost. We don't like to be lost. It doesn't feel good to be lost. Lost is not how we want to live our lives. Lost is not how we want to walk in this world. And we would be lost. But God is rich in mercy. We would be in darkness. But God is rich in mercy. 
We would have no hope in this life if it were not for Jesus Christ. And that is why I love the words, but God. But God is rich in mercy. We would be lonely in our sins and in our trespasses, not connected to the family of God, not connected to God Himself, but God is rich in mercy. We would still be living away apart from God, but God is rich in mercy. Paul's not kidding when he says you are saved by grace. It is the grace of God that reaches down and pulls you up when you are lost and says, what are you doing here? You're meant to be 